0: Hello and welcome back to Recovering Faith Podcast. Today's episode is going to be about Christmas and Santa Claus, which is what last week I said I was going to talk about this week. So, uh, But before I get on with that, I want to talk a little bit about funny story, I guess well, it was funny to me, anyway, about my uh, first world problems. And, of course, if you're listening to this, that means you probably have first world problems too because you're probably listening to this on your phone, more than likely than not. Anyhow, so I was going to smoke a brisket for a church Christmas party that I was having at my small group Bible study. And I decided that I didn't want to use the uh, charcoal smoker I had because I didn't want to go out every 20 30 minutes and put wood in it so I was going to buy an electric smoker and so I ordered one on Amazon because I couldn't find what I was looking for local and I ordered it and it was supposed to said it was supposed to be there on time and then 3 days later they still hadn't shipped it so I called Amazon and asked them what was going on and this guy who was obviously from India told me his name was Ben. I highly doubt his name was Ben but he told me that that uh, it hadn't shipped yet and I said well yeah I know it hadn't shipped yet why hasn't it shipped and he said well we got processing time so I said processing time why do you have to process it? it's already in a box just slap a label on it and put it on a truck and I said, well, can you tell me when it will ship? And he said, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so then uh, finally I couldn't get any information from him so I hung up and then I got on the online chat. And the first person I talked to said, uh, said, yeah, it's uh, it shipped, it should be arrived tomorrow. And I said, how can it arrive tomorrow when the online, it says it hasn't even shipped yet? And she says, oh, well, that's because it hasn't shipped. I was like, well, can you tell me when it's going to be there? Oh, we don't know when it's going to be there because it's still in processing. I said, but you just told me it'd be there tomorrow. So she said, yeah, well, no, we don't know when it's going to be there. And I kept talking to her and trying to figure out when it was going to be to me, and she couldn't tell me. And then she said, okay, well, I'm glad we got this issue resolved. And then she disappeared. And so I'm like, what the? So I get on the chat again and get somebody else. It's next person, uh, I can't get them to understand what my issue is, and then finally I tell them, look, uh, I need, I'm trying to figure out when this item will get to me. And they start telling me about another item that I ordered a different time. And I was like, no, that's not what it is. So finally with a third person, I get on there, or before the third person, the second one, and she says, well, but don't worry, you won't be charged for this until it ships, And I said, well, that's not true. You said it hasn't shipped, and I've already been charged for it. So, anyway, a couple people later down the line, I finally get a person who seems to know what they're talking about, and they say, no, it hasn't shipped yet. And uh, Well, before this, the last lady, I had asked her, I said, well, if it's not going to ship, then I need it you to cancel it. And she said, oh, we can't cancel it because it already ships. And I said, but you said it didn't ship, and she said, yeah, it hasn't shipped. I was like, so if it hasn't shipped, then I want to cancel it. Well, we can't cancel it because it's shipped. I was like, what are you talking about? So finally, um, when I finally got a person that kind of sort of knew what they were talking about, I got them to cancel the order and then refund the money. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll have to drive to Springfield or Rogers, Arkansas, or somewhere to pick up a smoker. I didn't know. I happened to be in one of my local farm and ranch stores for something, and I saw that they had some some pellet smokers. And uh, these pellet smokers, they had been sitting outside, and so they had a little bit of surface rust. So I asked them how much they wanted for them, and if they'd give me some kind of discount. And they wound up giving me more than a more than half off. So I bought one, and I wound up smoking the brisket, and it wound up really being a big hit. I, it was a 14 pound brisket and I wound up with um, not even enough leftovers to fill a sandwich bag so it was a big hit and so that anyway that was that was kind of interesting and uh, my crazy experience with Amazon and I know that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with this uh, actually doesn't have anything to do with this but I just thought I'd tell that story anyway so but around this time of year, uh, there is always a lot of talk about whether or not Christians should teach their children the Santa Claus myth, especially in regards to keeping Christ in Christmas, which in reality are two separate issues, as I will explain. As for Jesus being the reason for the season, based on the clues from the Bible, It is extremely unlikely that Jesus was born anywhere near the winter solstice, and the reason his birth is celebrated in December at all is because the church, under the leadership of Pope Julius I, wanted to celebrate the birth of the Savior, but didn't want to celebrate it close to Easter, which is the celebration of the resurrection. And since the pagans already had a lot of celebrations around the winter solstice, and the church was looking to convert the pagans to christianity it made sense to incorporate aspects of christianity into the already existing pagan feasts and celebrations such as saturnalia yule and the celebration of winter solstice if for no other reason than to make the assimilation into christianity easier early americans especially the puritans pointed out that the Bible does not support the birth of the Savior being in winter, and they viewed Christmas as nothing more than a rebranded pagan celebration, and therefore a sin. In some settlements in early America, it was even illegal to celebrate Christmas at all. Probably, at least partially, because many of the Christmas celebrations in Europe turned into drunken brawls full of debauchery akin to today's Mardi Gras celebration and the early Americans wanted no part of any of that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the holiday itself, and personally, I like a lot of the holiday traditions, and I think that they are wholesome, If and if done correctly, they can be done to the glory of God. And the Bible says that whatever we do should be done to the glory of God, which is in 1 Corinthians 10.31. Which brings us to the main topic of this discussion, Santa Claus. As for whether or not we should teach the Santa myth to children as truth, I think it is an unequivocal no. And I will explain and defend that position. There are precious few times in the scriptures where lying was looked upon favorably, such as when Rahab in order to save their lives lied about the spies Joshua sent to Jericho but in general the Bible and therefore God is against lying and telling your children that an omnipotent and immortal magical fat man is always watching them and will only give them gifts if they, if they behave in a way to rein in your children is not something the Bible approves don't get me wrong I'm not saying that we should not celebrate Christmas, and as I said before, I think that many aspects of the holiday are wholesome and worthy. I'm not even saying that it's wrong to put up Santa decorations or to tell the story of Santa for what it is, a story, like Cinderella or Pinocchio. But if we're going to tell children about St. Nicholas, why not tell them who he really was and what he really did? What I'm saying is that, as parents and role models, and especially as Christians, we should be intentional about what we teach our children. And while it is sometimes acceptable to withhold information from children that is not yet age-appropriate, we should never lie to them, and everything we tell them should be based on truth, especially the truth of the gospel. While Nicholas was, in fact, a real man, he was almost nothing like the myth, And he certainly isn't an immortal, godlike figure, since we know when, where, and how he died, and even where he was buried. I think it would be a fair statement to say that the majority of the world, including those who teach the Santa story to their children as truth, know little or nothing about the actual Saint Nicholas. So before I get into the particulars of why we should not teach the Santa myth as truth, I will give a brief history of the man it was based on. Some of the people who teach the Santa myth as truth have never even stopped to consider whether or not it was based on a real person, which makes it even more baffling to me that they would teach it as truth. And many of those who do teach it as truth and and who do know uh, about the man the myth was based on intentionally leave out the facts that the good deeds he did in his life were a direct result of his faith in Jesus Christ. This however is not uncommon and many of those in today's society who praise the contributions to society and the kind and noble acts of the likes of Dr. Martin Luther King, Mr. Rogers, J.R.R. Tolkien, and Corey Ten intentionally ignore and refuse to mention the fact that the only reason they were the kind of people that they were, and the only reason that they did the kind things they did, was because of their Christian faith, not in spite of it. But it should be no surprise when a sinful and fallen world tries to deny God the glory that is rightfully His. What we know about history is only from what those who experienced it or witnessed it recorded, and as with as it is with most uh, characters from, from history, there is little known about Saint Nicholas's upbringing, as history tends to record notable events, and most people's childhoods are not what uh, those recording current events write about, and it's only after the fact that anyone cares about who the person was as a child, and by that time, most, if not all of the people who have any knowledge of it are long since gone. What little we do know about the early life of St. Nicholas is that he was born in 280 to, uh, in Petra or uh, Patara, Turkey, to a wealthy family, and his parents died when he was young, though probably not a child. and. The inheritance they left made the young Nicholas a wealthy man. And instead of living a lavish lifestyle, he used his sizable inheritance to help those in need. Some of the things Nicholas reportedly did with his money was to save three men who were falsely imprisoned and sentenced to death, and he paid the dowry for three sisters to get married to save them from their father selling them into prostitution. and. I know this is not the point of this post or this podcast, I mean, and that I'm reacting to uh, based on limited information, but what kind of a sick man would decide that the only two options were to have his daughters get married right away or to sell them into prostitution? Surely there were other options, at least temporary options, and I can't help but think that If the girls would have been desirable as prostitutes, that at least one guy would have been willing to marry them without a dowry. I mean, come on. Uh, Marriage or prostitution couldn't have been the only two options that were available. So, uh, moving on. I was unable to discover what Nicholas's first name was as anything about him that was worthy of note happened after he was bishop and therefore his first name was omitted in deference to his title. Saint Nicholas was a devout Christian who spent his entire life in the service of God, and after he gave all of his money away, he decided to become a monk. But at the monastery, he felt that God had a higher call for him, and he began studying to become a priest and was later ordained as the priest of a local parish. Nicholas lived in Myra, and the bishop died, leaving a vacancy that needed to be filled. And the other bishops decided to make the next priest to enter the church uh, in the morning for early morning prayer the bishop and since Nicholas was the first priest to enter that morning to pray, he was chosen as the next bishop of Myra. One of the lesser known stories about Nicholas is that when he was a bishop, he was part of the Council of Nicaea in 325, and he physically assaulted another bishop for teaching blasphemy and heresy, namely, that Jesus was not God in the flesh. The story goes that Eris, the bishop of Egypt, taught that Jesus was not co-equal to God, and uh, got, that he was not equal to God the Father, and that but that he was created by God, and that he was not God in the flesh. Apparently, there was only so much blasphemy that Nicholas could stand, so he crossed the room and slapped or punched, it's not really clear on which one, but he either slapped or punched um, Eris, because it was blasphemy. And, honestly, I don't see why we don't teach this story to children. I mean, I'm not saying that we should teach children to slap people, but, I mean, why don't we teach children that he risked everything to uh, stand up for for what was true, even though it it cost him his title as bishop, which I'll shortly get into. Why don't we teach children that... uh, that we need to stand up to blasphemy and stand up to heresy. It is, um, it was recorded that as a result of the assault, Nicholas, uh, the bishops came to Constantine and asked him what to do and he told him that since Nicholas was a bishop that the other bishops had to decide what to do uh, even though it was illegal for one bishop to punch another, it was th- up to the bishops to side. So Nicholas was stripped of his title and his robes, and he was put in chains and thrown into prison. And uh, But <clears throat> the next morning, after a prison guard found Nicholas miraculously out of his chains, and uh, he had said that Jesus had visited him in a vision, so when this story was related to Emperor Constantine, he fully restored Nicholas to his position as the Bishop of Myra. And uh, the the council ultimately decided that the Bible supported a triune God and not what Eris had taught. So, uh, it's believed that St. Nicholas was imprisoned a second time for standing up for what he believed during the time of intense Christian persecution. Uh, St. Nicholas died December 6, 343, in Myra, and he was later venerated as a saint and is the Catholic, and uh, he's venerated as a saint by the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church and Orthodox Churches uh, have him as the patron saint of children, sailors, and prostitutes. Now that I've given a brief history of Saint Nicholas, I wanna go straight into why we should not teach Santa Santa Santa's myth is true. As mentioned earlier, there are only a few rare examples where lying can be considered a righteous act. And teaching that Santa comes down the chimney to reward good children with good gifts and punish bad children with bad gifts is not one of them. The Word of God teaches us that we should not lie and that we should not bear false witness. And by teaching the Santa story as truth, we're doing both. Lying because there is obviously not a jolly fat man flying around the world going down the chimney to give gifts and therefore the story is a blatant and obvious lie. And bearing false witness because in spreading false stories about Nicholas, we are bearing false witness against him. Based on what we know about his life, I don't think Nicholas would have been pleased with the myth about him, especially since he lived his entire life to bring glory to God, and the senta-myth takes away from the glory of God in a many myriad of ways. If St. Nicholas punched a guy out for teaching that Jesus was not equal to the Father, what do you think he would do to people who supplant Jesus altogether with a bastardized version of St. Nicholas himself? Besides, why would anyone think that it's a good idea to teach a demonstrably false uh, story to their children when doing so can possibly destroy the child's faith in anything the parent tells them, even the gospel? I personally know a number of people whose loss of faith can be directly traced back to their parents lying to them about Santa Claus. I don't think my parents ever told me that Santa was real. But there was a short window of time in which I believed he was real because of what other children and some adults told me about him. And it never seemed to make sense to me that somehow all the children from wealthy homes were better behaved than the children from poor homes and therefore got better gifts. And that is one of the many things wrong with the Santa tradition. It teaches children that their worth and virtue can be determined by what type of gifts they get in comparison to the gifts given to other children. Because the Santa story teaches the false uh, gospel of works instead of the true gospel of grace, it is not only antithetical to the gospel, but also antithetical to the character of Saint Nicholas, who gave gifts to those who needed it, not to those who deserved it. God, who is much better than Saint Nicholas, or any human can ever hope to be, gives us the ultimate gift, forgiveness and salvation through his Son, Jesus the Christ. And not a one of us deserves it, and none of us deserves it more or less than another. It's a free gift from God based on his righteousness and not ours. The Santa story teaches that if we are deserving, then we will get love, and if not, we'll be punished. And in essence, it's saying that we have to earn the love of God, and nothing could be farther from the truth. Humans are born into a sinful and depraved world and have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3 8. And it is only through the grace of God that any of us can be saved, and it is not of works, lest any of us should boast. Ephesians 2 9. The Santa story teaches children that the reason they did not get good gifts is because they are not a good person, and that leads to a poor self-esteem and a perverted view of the gospel, as well as the view that because their parents can't afford expensive gifts, that they are defective and are not loved by Santa, their parents, or even God. One of the many things that has always bothered me about the classic cartoon, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, is uh, in the scene where they go to the orphanage because in that movie the orphans were always the last place to visit and almost every year Santa would run out of time and he couldn't get to the orphanage and so they were forgotten and when they finally were visited they weren't even considered worthy of high quality toys but rather the misfit toys that no one else wanted And even the toys themselves, who were for some reason sentient, were not worthy of being given to proper children, and were only fit to be given to the misfit or defective children in the orphanage, kids that no one else wanted. As a child from a poor family that did not celebrate Christmas, more on that later, I internalized the message that only good children get good gifts. And since I got no gifts at all, I assumed I was a bad child. Contrast that with the ministry and the life of Jesus, who spent a large majority of his time with people who were the outcasts and the downtrodden among society, people who were full of sin and racked with guilt, and he did not offer them some sort of a misfit gospel, but rather offered them the same grace and eternal life that he offered everyone else. God does not offer the gospel to those who deserve it, and indeed, none of us can, none of us does, or can deserve it but grace is offered as a free gift to us while we're still enemies to God, Romans 5.8. I remember my father teaching me that Santa was of the devil and that it was a sin to celebrate Christmas. However, I don't think my father actually believed the celebration was a sin, but he just wanted an excuse to never do anything charitable for his family. At any rate, my family didn't celebrate holidays or even birthdays when I was growing up, and we didn't start celebrating them until after my father was no longer in the picture. My father always said that Christmas was a pagan holiday and therefore it was a sin to celebrate it, and that indeed all celebrations were sinful. However, the Bible says that we should do all things to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. so if a celebration can be done to the glory of God, then it's a good celebration. And even though Jesus was not actually born on December 25th, if it brings glory to God, uh, if, if, we, um, if it brings glory to God when we celebrate Jesus on that day, then it's a good thing to do, uh, if that's what we're actually doing. There are people who only think about Christ in December, which is far better than never thinking of him at all. But it would be far better to give glory to God and to be grateful for Jesus all year round and not just in December. Another po- aspect of the Santa story that's contrary to the Gospel, and also a little creepy, is the godlike powers that Santa has, uh, such as he's, he's always watching us and he knows what we're doing, and God's the only one that has those powers. But in the stories, he's immortal, and he's omnipotent, and the stories don't even give God the credit for that power he has, but instead they attribute it to elf magic. The Santa story uh, has Santa either watching us as if he were a god, or else sending his elves to spy on us and report back, and judging us accordingly. Santa gives gifts based on behavior and grace never enters into the equation, which is completely contrary to the type of giving Saint Nicholas actually did. But that's because the traditional Santa story is a way to manipulate children into behaving and the real Saint Nicholas was motivated by the love of God. And he did it to give glory to God and he tried to do it without being discovered because he wanted God to get the glory and not himself. When we lie to children, especially if it's to manipulate them and to control their behavior, not only does it teach them a false gospel by these stories we make up, but it also teaches them that we can't be trusted. Any child with half a brain, when they learn that Santa is not real, starts to wonder what else we've been lying to them about and if they follow the thought through to its logical conclusion, they will believe that we also lied to them about God in order to control their behavior and to make them act in a certain way. Once trust is damaged, it can be difficult, if not impossible, to restore. Children may be somewhat simple in their thinking, but when something is important and directly impacts them, they never forget it. A few days after my seventh birthday, my father, who was, up, who up to that point I wanted to be just like when I grew up, told me that he never loved me and that I always had been and always would be a disappointment to him and that he wished that I had never been born. I have never and will never forget that day, where we were and what brought on the conversation. And most importantly, I will never forget how it made me feel. After that, no matter what my father said or did, he could never convince me that he loved me, and my blinders came off, and I became aware of all the horrendous things that he did, and I no longer made excuses for the things my father did. Love can cover a multitude of sin, but when you remove the love, the ugly truth is revealed. And from that day, I never looked at my father the same way, and I exerted every effort to be nothing like him. Even into my early adulthood, whenever I would do something like my father would have done it, even if it weren't bad, I hated myself for it and I thought I'd failed in life. When I was married, my wife knew what a sensitive subject it was and how deeply it would hurt me. So one day when she was mad at me, she told me that I was worse than my father ever was. When my wife said that, it hurt me so bad that I considered ending my life. Both because I knew that if she would say that to me, that she didn't really love me. But also because if there was any chance that it was true, then I was a complete and utter failure. In the years, sandwiched in between the day my father told me he didn't love me, shortly after my seventh birthday, to the day he died, he occasionally told me that he loved me, mostly when he needed something from me. And since I knew that it was a lie, I assumed that everything he said, else he said was a lie as well. I'm not sure that my father occasionally told me the truth, at least when it benefited him. But since I knew that he would lie to me about something so important as loving me, I felt that it was a safe bet to assume that he was always lying to me. And my point in bringing that story up is to say, don't lie to either, don't lie to children they will never forget that you did and you may never recover the trust that you lost when they realize that you've been lying to them so yes it's a bad thing to teach children the Santa Claus story because it teaches them a false false gospel it takes glory away from God it has them focused on things other than God and it sets us up for failure as, a, as a parents and role models later because we lied to them about something so important and it doesn't matter what our motivations are, we lied to them about it and made them believe something that we ourselves was absolutely certain was a lie. And when they find that out, it's not going to be good. So thanks for listening. I hope you have a most Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year, and hope you come and listen to next episode. Uh, Thanks for listening, and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.